It's exciting to see what God is doing in our house. Man, I can't believe this. We were three years old. This is our third Christmas we've had. And so, man, God has just been doing some great stuff in our church. And, man, I'm just excited to really bring the word of God to you tonight. Talk about the virgin birth, that Jesus, that God is with us. He's our, our Emmanuel. Who's excited to hear from God's word tonight? Hear about Jesus? Come on. Man, it's going to be an exciting night tonight. We're in the middle of a series, finishing up, should say, Travel Light. Uh, it's about letting go of the baggage, uh, letting go of the burdens that hold us back from the past and stop us from growing spiritually. Tonight we're going to uh, talk about letting go of control. And if you haven't figured it out yet, we are a church that participates. I love when you guys participate. I love it. Uh, it, it. It makes my preaching better. Come on, somebody. It just makes it just a little bit better, a little more fun. And so uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you say, man, there's maybe one area in your life, but a few areas of your life that you love to take control? Put those hands up. If you love to take control, put the hands up. Come on, let's see it. I know some of you are out there. Some of you, somebody's got two hands in the back. It's, that's me. I love to take control. I'm going to tell you something, though. You might be that sleeper who didn't raise your hand, but if you're thinking in your head, man, I want to grab my neighbor's hand, maybe it's a spouse or a parent, and lift it up, you may struggle with taking control. And tonight, I believe God's going to do something special in your guys' life. You guys can stay to your feet as we read God's word. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appealed to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Somebody say, confused and disturbed. You know, sometimes God gives you the gift of disorientation. I mean, sometimes God does something in your life that doesn't make sense. Mary hears this from the angel. She doesn't know what's going on. She's confused. She's disturbed. Some of you maybe came in tonight. I don't know if you're happy in your life or God gave you the gift of disorientation. You might be confused what's going on in your life. I mean, how did I get here? God, what are you doing? You may be a little disturbed. I can't handle this. I've been here before. I've been in this fight before. God, what are you doing? And this is where Mary finds herself. But the angel says to her in verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And this is an understatement of a lifetime. He'll be very great, and we will call his name the Most High. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he'll be called the Son of God. I mean, wouldn't it be interesting this moment if Mary's like, mm, that's a little inconvenient for me. That didn't quite fit into my five-year plan. Like, I'm already engaged. Like, this is going to mess up my wedding. I'm going to be pregnant while I'm at my wedding. This is not going to fit in my gown. I've got the altered, and who knows if those wedding pictures are going to be ruined. You know, I'm going to post those on Instagram. You're going to be a little messed up. And, but instead, Mary has said this moment of saying, hey, my life is about me. She goes, no, I'm going to surrender to Jesus. And she says this in verse 38. says, I am whose servant? I am saying with you. I'm the Lord's servant. Somebody say it again. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true in this moment of great surrender. She looks at this angel and says, hey, if God says it, man, everything you say, just everything about that come true. I want to follow his plan. I'm going to surrender to him. I love what it says in the English Standard Version. It says, then Mary said to the angel, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Mary quotes the Beatles. Let it be. She says, let it be. Come on, somebody say, let it be. And that was good. You're getting better at this. Let it be to me according to your word. God, I surrender to you. If that's what you say, if that's your word, your promises always come true. I'm going to surrender to you today, God. Let it be. Hey, find three people and say, let it be, and then find your seat. Find three people, say, let it be, and find your seat. Some of you guys just found 50 people. I like that. I love it. 
Man, some of you are thinking right now, man, we're talking about letting go of control. This is the perfect message for my spouse. <laughs> this is a perfect message for my mother-in-law. Like, I don't struggle with, with being in control. Man, some of, you, some of you guys are struggling. This is the best Christmas message ever. Sean, you came here, you're going to straighten out my spouse. You know, it's hard to understand that we're the ones that maybe need this message, that, that maybe we're a little too controlling. You might say this, I'm just aggressively helpful. It's so helpful me just pushing that on other people. Or, or maybe I'm just thoroughly organized. Man, I've got the list, we're checking it. I'm not being pushy, I'm just super organized. I'll be honest with you, some of you guys are wound so tight, you're making coffee nervous. You know what I'm talking about. You're just wound up, and uh, some of you guys are looking at me like, Sean, this is your message, I know God's preaching to you. I mean, you think about, think about your kids, right? I mean, some of you guys are like, you're going to control everything. The color of their hair, come on somebody, because you know that freaks you out, right? And that the haircut, and, and who they date, and where they go, and who they hang out with, what they make on the ACT, I mean, what they're going to major in in college, who they're going to marry, how many grandkids they're going to have, come on somebody, where they're going to live. And if you don't think you're controlling, we can just talk to your spouse, amen? <laughs> My wife's over there, she's, she's like, you said it, right? She's like, you're wearing me out. It's like sandpaper to the soul. You're talking about how I drive, I mean, how I chew. Anybody do that before your husband gets on you a little bit? How you finish my senses, how I dress, how you load the dishwasher, I man, how you vacuum, how you vacuum the living room. You know what I'm talking about? You got to put some stripes on there. You got to honor God with your vacuuming, man. man you got to ground all the edges. You can't go perpendicular. You got to run parallel. Come on, praise God for whom all blessings flow, amen? I mean, you've got to be a certain direction. Some of you guys want to control your image. You want to control having the best post, the best picture, and the best caption, the best filter. I mean, let's just be real. Some of you guys took all these pictures to post that one picture for your family. Christmas this year, you probably took 37 pictures before you made that one post. Between post one and post 37, you strangled the kids, you kicked the dog, you almost got divorced, but blessings from my family to yours. <laughs> blessings. In the name of Jesus, blessings. My heart to your heart, right? I mean, there's a lot that happened between all those, those pictures. Uh, we were talking earlier that uh, somebody's wife was taking pictures. I was joking. It's not real unless it's a picture. But I'm preaching to my, myself. I know uh, if you know me, uh, you know I'm preaching to myself today. Hey, no amens. I love that. My wife didn't say amen. <laughs> I set you up for that one. I was wondering if the staff were going to get on me. I was going to uh, give them the, uh, the Jelly of the Month Club again, but um, I'm just kidding. I, I love you guys, man. But the more I control, the more I get afraid that I'm going to lose control. I mean, I find myself in the situations where I, I run back to control, and then I get afraid that I might lose more control. And the more I get afraid, the more I want to control. And it's a cycle, isn't it? A cycle of fear and control. Fear and control. Fear and control. And I could run that cycle, and I've ran that cycle before, and maybe you're in that cycle Tonight, And so I want to give you one key thought tonight. It's a very simple thought to remember, but it's super difficult to execute. It's a very simple thought to remember, but very difficult to execute. Key thought is this. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender to God. You don't have the power to control your health. You don't have the power to control your finances. You don't have the power to control your job or your kids or people you care about. But you always have the power to surrender. Man, this is what Mary did in that moment. I'm surrender to Jesus. I don't know what, where we're going to go with this. I understand the plan. I had all this lined out, but I'm going to surrender to you. And some of you are like, well, that's Mary. I mean, an angel came to her, right? I mean, she's got cathedrals named after her. She's got statues named after her. But no, no, no. She's an ordinary teenage girl. Scholars think she was 13 to 15. 15 years old. She had hopes and dreams like every other girl. She had dreams of getting married. Who knows in that day there wasn't any Snapchat. You couldn't Snapchat that boy you met at youth camp. There's no Christian mingle, eHarmony, or I know Drew's thankful for some of these things, but the, <clears throat> can I tell everybody what happened? 
No, I won't tell him, but you can ask him. He's got a great story. But she's just looking for the basics in her town, and in her community. She's looking for the basics in the guy, but there's not that many options. She's looking for a few simple things. A strong, handsome, charming man who has a nice donkey. Maybe it's more reliable, so it's an upgraded version, a little newer. Somebody's got a good job with a bright future. Come on, some parents. Some strong hands and a soft heart. He's close to his mom, but not a mama's boy. He's bold, yet humble. He's fit, but not obsessed with his looks. He's decisive, yet flexible. I mean, this fits so many people in this room. He's got big goals yet easy going. He's well-groomed, but he's not soft. He's, he makes you feel safe, but he's just a little dangerous. I mean, he loves chocolate-covered strawberries. Come on, ladies. He loves long walks on the beach and the soothing sounds of the Backstreet Boys. Come on. I'm going to go back to your Spotify playlist. Come on. Man, above all, she wants a, wants a man that fears God, that's going to lead her spiritually. It's going to be a great father to a kid. Just the basics, amen? All the guys are like, mm, 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 just the basics. Man, Mary had dreams. She was a normal teenager. She was looking for the Mr. Right, getting proposed to on the Bethlehem Bridge with that perfect photo and the sunset, going to Jerusalem Garden Chapel to get married. They have a couple kids, Joseph Jr. and Sophia. I made that one up. I don't know about that one. But they're going to they're gonna have a dog and not a cat, amen? And then she's thinking about Netflix and whatever happens after. Netflix, I don't know what's going on there, but the angel appears to her and says, no, 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 Mary. Now I've got a different plan for you. I've got a plan that's so much different. You're going to be with a child. And she was disturbed and confused. It wasn't what she expected in her life. I'm going to tell you something. Some of us had a plan. Amen. Some of us had a plan. When I was 18 years old, I had a plan. I had a plan to make a lot of money. I was going to do it my way. I was going to sell out to the American dream and thank God. My, one of my spiritual fathers is in the house somewhere in this row. Where's Mitch at? He's hiding. He's, he's all decked out in black. He can't even see him in there. Mitch, this is my spiritual father. Give it up for Mitch right here being in the house tonight. I would not be here today if it wasn't for this man right here. He's one of the most humble servants of God. And this man, he's taught me so much about finances and said, you know what, you've got to trust God and you've got to follow his plan. I wouldn't be for him. I wouldn't be here today, I promise you. But I had a plan when I was 18. When I was 24 years old, I had a plan. And then God sent me foster kids, amen? When I was 27 years old, I had a plan. We had a plan to have kids. We tried to have kids for years and years and years. And three and a half years later, we finally had our first kid. I had a plan. Some of you guys came in tonight with a plan. Some of you guys came in tonight and you had the Excel sheet, but you didn't have any prayer. You had a plan for your life. You had a plan for a job. Some of you guys had a plan for three kids, and there was a bonus child that came. Some of you guys are like confused, like Mary, like, how did this happen? How did this bonus child happen? Maybe you wanted to have kids, but you couldn't conceive. Maybe you had the perfect job lined out. I talked to somebody this last couple of weeks, had the perfect job. This person thought I had the perfect job, and things changed. And the company said, hey, this ain't going to work out. And so this person's going their own injection. The company maybe downsized. Maybe there's an empty chair at the Christmas table this year for whatever reason. Maybe just unexpected. I don't know how I got here. God, what are you doing with my health? Man, these finances are so messed up. How am I going to get this fixed? There's a relationship that's falling apart. I'm telling you something. Mary had no idea when she surrendered to Jesus and said, Jesus, you can, I'll follow your plan, not my plan. She had no idea what God was going to do. She had no idea the end of the story. That three decades later, that little boy, Jesus, would grow up and he would carry his cross the hill of Calvary. And he would take on the sins of the world. And he would set captivity free. And he would pay the price for our sins on the cross. She had no idea that when she exchanged her plan, she was exchanged for such a larger grand plan of God. Mary had a choice to make. Was it going to be her plan or the purpose of God? Was it her dreams or God's destiny? Was it her control or God's calling in her life? And I love it. She didn't understand it. She was confused. She was disturbed, but she trusted it, and she followed Jesus. I'm telling you something. You don't always have the power of control, but you always have the power to surrender. I told you I was preaching to myself because if I'm not careful, and many of you fall in the same boat, I can over, overestimate my own ability. 
I can be overconfident in what I can do without God. And I can underestimate the power and the goodness of God in my life. I can go back to doing it my way. Man, I was a 4 I mean, I worked hard for what I got. When I get in trouble, you know what I go back to? Hey, God, thanks for getting me here, but I've got to clean up my mess. Man, I've got to fix what was broken. I've got to get us back to where we were. I've got to be strong, man. Sometimes I've got to manipulate. I've got to put in the extra hours. I can come up with a plan without any prayer, amen? It's so easy to put yourself in that situation where you're going to run to what's, what's going to fix your own problems. And I think one of the greatest motivations for this, if I was honest with my own life, and I think this is something that everybody struggles with in leadership, it looks like this. It's the temptation to equate being spectacular with being successful. For some of us, we're not feeling successful unless we accomplish something far more spectacular than we're supposed to be called to. We think that we think that we have to do some great thing if we're not taking enough ground, if we're not, if people aren't liking it, if it's not growing fast enough, if we're not taking the ground from Satan, if we're not if they hit the financial goal, if we don't have the perfect family or all the details are organized, all of a sudden it's not spectacular, it's just successful. You can find yourself trying to fix all the stuff around you, trying to control what God is trying to do, even though you're already successful. You can look for the headlines. You can look for the spotlight. You can look for the likes. You can look for the trophy. You want to be the goat? Come on, somebody. The greatest of all time. And Jesus says something diametrically opposed to this idea of significance and something diametrically opposed to this idea of control in our world. It says this in Luke 17, 33. He talks about this. He says, whoever tries to keep their life, imagine this is your life. It says, whoever tries to keep their life, whoever tries to hold on to their life, whoever tries to control the stuff in their life, whoever tries to handle it their way, whoever tries to have a plan without prayer, whoever tries to do it their way, it says, will lose their life. If somebody's looking for spectacular results without the Spirit of God, will lose their life. It says this, and whoever loses their life, whoever lays it down to Jesus, whoever surrenders to him and says, God, you can have my life, I'm going to step away from that. God, I was going to try to control that, but God, you can have that. Just let it be. God, whatever you want to do, you've disrupted my plans. God, you changed what I thought my calling was, but God, you can have my life. Who knows you can't fill something that's already full? Who knows you can't fill something that's already full? I mean, you can't fill, is there room for Jesus in your life? You know, if you're real honest, the temptation is going to be, which I do need the drink of this water, by the way. It's going to be good. You know, listen to this. Ah. Let's get good stuff right there. The temptation in your life is going to be a surrender. What have you got left to Jesus? You say, God, I'm, I'm 87% surrendered. God, I'm 50% surrendered. God, you can have all these keys, but this one key, this one area of my life, I'm going to keep hold of that, but God, you can have the rest. God, you can forgive my past, but man, I can't forgive somebody else. God, I, 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 can, I can give you my past, but I can't give you my future. God, you can have my life as long as it is significant. As long as people know how great I am, you can have my life. But if not, I can have that. I'm going to take control of my life. I'm going to do it my way. And I love what Mary said. It said, verse 38, said, this is what Mary said. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be. Somebody say, let it be. Let it be according to your word. You know, she could have said, let me be. Hey, angel, I don't, I'm not down with this. Just let me be. Like, I'm going to do it my way. This is my life. This is my time. I've worked so hard for this. I'm going to take control of my life. But instead she said, I want to let it be. God, you can take it. Who wants to take this water bottle? I need some. Mike, you got this. You take that water bottle. God, you can have it. I wouldn't drink it. I've been sick. So in the name of Jesus, you can have that water bottle. But you can be close-fisted and say, it's my life. This is my time. I'm telling you something. If it doesn't make sense, it's probably from God. The world tries to sell you everything. 
The world tells you to do a certain way, but God is not going to make sense because he didn't give you the, the blueprint. He's the architect. He just gives you one little step at a time. He wants you to take a step to him. Just let it be. You know, when you pray, you always in your prayer in Jesus name. Amen. Do you know what amen means in that, in that sentence means when you say amen. It means so let it be. So let it be. I'm done with my prayer. God, whatever will you have, just let it be. I'm going to follow you. I'm surrendered to you. God, I give you my life. It's not about me. I'm trying to take control, but God, you can have control. God, I don't need a blueprint when I've got the architect. God, this is your story. You've got this. And what are you holding on to that God wants you to surrender? What are you holding on to? What do you think that's yours, but it's ultimately God's? What battle are you fighting that Jesus already won the victory for? What do you put in your heart that you're fighting for? What burden do you have? What fear do you have? What image of yourself? What pursuit of perfection do you have in your life? I'm telling you something, you don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. I'll encourage this last thought. Don't underestimate God's faithfulness in your life. And don't underestimate the faithfulness of God. It's so easy to say, God, you can have this much of my life because I can control this much. I can do more with this. No, no, no. Don't underestimate God's faithfulness. We can do when you fully surrender to him. This is what happened with Mary. Every time she surrendered to God, God was always faithful. I mean, think about it. The angel came to, to Mary and said, you're going to have a child. And this child, you're not married, but the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Can you imagine that conversation she's going to have with Joseph? Come on, somebody. Your girlfriend goes up to you and said, the Holy Spirit did it. It's like, okay, okay, I don't know about that. But God was faithful. He sent an angel, Gabriel, to Joseph. And that, that angel conferred with Joseph said, no, this is the real story. And God was faithful to protect Mary from the relationship falling apart. Can you imagine the amount of rumors that might have been spread? That Mary was thinking like, what are my parents going to think? What's the neighborhood going to think? You know there are some ladies that said, I saw that, I saw that donkey outside Joseph's house. I know what was gone over there. I know what happened. And so, so God confirmed it again. Mary went, at, went to her relative Elizabeth, and when she met Elizabeth, Elizabeth was pregnant with a child. And as soon as she talked about Jesus, that child Elizabeth's womb kicked and jumped. I love it. I love the fact that the first person to recognize the presence of God was an unborn baby. It was an unborn baby in the womb. He jumped and kicked. Come on, that's a praise break, isn't it? Boom, boom, boom. Like, what in the world? Recognized Jesus. The first person to celebrate Christmas was in the womb. God is faithful. God is faithful. His promises come true. His words never fail. And Mary is nine months pregnant. She's trying to find a place to have this baby. There's no Holiday Inn Express. I mean, the Motel 6, it's shut down. She has to find a stall. She finds a cave. And it wasn't her design, but it was God's divine plan. It wasn't the way she'd have it, but she surrendered to God. She had that baby next to all these farm animals. I mean, isn't it a little ironic that the great shepherd was born with the sheep? Isn't it just a little ironic that God came for us? He didn't come to be a king on a, on a giant castle and rule the land. He came as a servant, humble himself to the, to the form of being born in a cave. That's crazy. But God is always faithful. I mean, think about King Herod. He, he, he makes a decree to kill all, kill all the babies and come after Jesus because he knows Jesus is the king. But he's a little baby. If I can kill him now and get him out of the way. And God's faithful to make a way for Mary to escape to Egypt. Now, I don't know what she did with the wise man's gold, but it may help her get to Egypt. I'm just making this up. I'm just telling you, God is faithful. I'm not sure how it went down, but God is always faithful. Don't underestimate the faithfulness of God in your life. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. Man, fast forward to the perfect picture of surrender to Jesus Christ himself. Jesus was in the garden. He was praying. He was agonizing. He saw what was about to happen. He saw the cross and the crucifixion and the pain in front of him and the sin he was going to bear. And the Bible says he literally sweat blood, that the vessels in his brow exploded because of the stress and agony that he had inside of him. 
And he prayed this prayer. He said, God, there's any way for this cup, there's any way for this suffering to pass from me. Did you do that? And he said the same word in the Bible that Mary said, for so let it be. But Jesus said this, not my will, but your will be done. And he surrendered to God. He gets on the cross. And Mary shows up and she looks up into the face of Jesus, but Jesus has been so beaten and so scourged, he's unrecognizable as a human. And you know, in Mary's heart, she's broken, she's crushed, she's angry, she may feel defeated, she doesn't understand what's going on, she may be confused, and Jesus could have taken control. The Bible says he could call down 10,000 angels and he could have given hemorrhoids, you know what I'm saying? That's what I would have done. But instead, he doesn't do that. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He says, into, into your hands I commend my spirit. The Bible says he gave up the ghost and died. Jesus surrendered. Jesus paid the ultimate price. The Bible says this, no greater love hath any man than this, that a man laid his life down for his friends. He paid the ultimate price and surrendered. I'm telling you something, when Jesus died, it didn't look spectacular. It didn't feel significant at the foot of the cross where Jesus' life, his body was hanging there. It didn't look like God was up to something. It looked like it was complete defeat. And when he surrendered to God, the world had no idea what was about to happen because God is always faithful. Because three days later, we know the story that God rose from the dead. He stole the keys from death, hell, and the grave for us and rose victorious so we can have life. Satan didn't know that Jesus was just getting started. I'm telling you something, God is faithful in your life. May I suggest to you this simple point, that your greatest victories aren't found in your strength, but in your surrender. Your greatest victories aren't found in your strength, they're found in your surrender. So my question for you is real simple. What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to that God wants you to surrender? What are you holding on to? What is it? When I was 18, it was money. Then I was 20, it was money. Then I was 30, it was money. I gotta keep dying to myself. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a relationship you're trying to restore. Maybe it's a health thing. Maybe there's something in your past that you just can't get over. Maybe there's something that's confusing you. You just don't know what to do with it. Maybe there's some, some situation that you look back on that your expectations were totally changed and you blame that. Maybe there's something that you're trying to earn. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta be proud of your life. You gotta be significant. Your story has to be in the spotlight. People have to know your name. You gotta have all the Instagram followers in the world. And you gotta be that person that everybody looks up to and you gotta do everything right. You can't let anybody down. What are you holding on to that God wants you to surrender today? I would encourage you on your chair, the chair next to you, there's a little index card. It's a little piece of paper. Maybe today you can write down what you wanna surrender to God because ultimately your life is a thing that God wants more than anything. In a, few minutes, in a few minutes, we're going to take up an offering. We're going to give God back what he's given to us. But you can give God something way more significant today. You can give God your life. I would encourage you just to write down on that card what God wants you to surrender and just drop it in there and say, God, I surrender this to you. God, you can have it. God, this isn't my life. God, this is your life. I was so confused. I thought this was my story. I'm telling you something. God can do more through you, for your, not from your strength, but through your surrender. You don't have to be in control of your life. You can let go of control and give God your life today. Father, we come before you. God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. God, this whole thing is about Jesus. God, we surrender to you today. God, it's not about us. God, it's always and always will be about you. God, give us the faith to follow you across this room without anybody looking around. Those of you would say, I have something to surrender to God today. God, help me to surrender this to you. It's a person, it's a situation, a concern, a burden. If that's you in this moment, you just lift your hand high without anybody looking around. I have something to surrender to Jesus across this room. 
his hands up all across this place. I want to pray for you today. God, I thank you so much. God, your spirit is working in us. God, we surrender to you. God, just like Mary surrendered to you, God, we want to surrender to your plan. We don't understand it, but God, we want to follow you. God, so let it be. God, we're not going to be 85% surrendered. God, we're all in for you. Yes, it's not our will, but yours be done. I'm done fighting my battle. I want God to fight my battle. I trust his promises. I trust his plans over mine. Give me faith to follow your divine plan. As you keep praying today, some of you are going to recognize that God is calling you to surrender to Jesus, maybe for the very first time. You've been following your own plans. You've never really truly surrendered to Jesus. God's greatest gift to you is Jesus. Man, born of the Virgin Mary, he had no sin nature. He was perfect in every way. He came to the cross and died for us. He surrendered his life for you. Jesus agonized not only over physical death, but over the, the spiritual the, the spiritual burden of having the sin of us cast upon him. The Bible says he was crushed down, but not destroyed. He knew all your sins, past, present, and future, and went to the cross and died for you. And by God's power on the third day, he rose from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave for us. This is good news because Jesus wants a relationship with you tonight. The Bible says that anyone who calls on Jesus will be saved, be made new, and be forgiven. This is the greatest gift of all time. You can receive God's grace this Christmas. So if that's you tonight, say, you know, I want God's grace in my life. And I want to surrender to him for the first time. I need his forgiveness. I need to be made new. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand high in this place? Say, I want Jesus. But I want Jesus tonight. May I see your hand? Anybody else say, I need Jesus. I just need Jesus tonight. I want him in my life. If that's you, just pray this prayer. Say, Father God, thanks so much for sending your best. God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. God, you can have my life. I surrender to you. I'm done doing it my way. God, I want to do it your way. God, you can have my life. I want to follow you and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, give it up for those who came to Christ tonight. Come on, give a big celebration what God is doing.